Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. Thank you for joining me on the sports podcast. It's another great day in late September, and we're going to talk about week three of the NFL, another NFL Rewind. Got my good friend Gunnar Ludwig to come on today's show. Second time he's appeared on the show. First time since the NFL offseason, and we're going to break down all the wackiness that happened at the professional game. A lot of upsets. The Vikings get thrashed by the Bills. His Detroit Lions and my Cleveland Browns win in the same week. Pretty ridiculous there. Patriots lose to the Lions. What's wrong with them? What do we make about the Packers? All these roughing the penalty, roughing the passer penalties, and much more, including will Jameis Winston get his job back? That's today's episode of the Money Mitch. It's Gunnar Ludwig breaking down NFL Week 3. Let's start the show. Through major season, but they're playing in like eight. All right, week three in the NFL was a wild one. As always on the Money Mitch Effect, it's time to recap what went down. And with that, talking to my good friend, now officially a reoccurring guest, second time he's appeared on the program, former co-worker at NFL Network, Gunnar Ludwig. Gunnar, thanks for coming back to the Money Mitch Effect. Mitch, thanks for having me, man. I, I'm just trying to figure out when the last time the Lions and Browns won on the same week was. Oh, man. <laughs> well, luckily for uh, we don't have to research uh, the weekend winning on Sunday. No, I, I, I like that pressure. comment better without researching it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to leave it out there. Who knows? But... I want to I point out the Browns still haven't won on a Sunday in a very long time. No, I'm basking, <laughs> I'm basking in the win. But... That's true. That's another thing that Browns fans can wait to uh, celebrate like they won the Super Bowl with. So that's a good note for them I, I do want to point out before we get rolling that I, I am a diehard Browns fan they're my favorite team probably in any sport but I, I watched the moment with some Browns fans at a Browns bar out here and even I was like that's a little much the, the crowd shots and just people going nuts like it was the Super Bowl it's, it's a good win but it's one win like, yeah, but I love it. Like the, the, the you you got to kind of I think there's some tongue in cheek value there, you yeah, know, with yeah. the with the Browns fans. So there, there always is. I'm around a lot of Browns fans. My girlfriend's from Cleveland and her dad does sports radio out there. So I, I'm around the Browns kind of mentality a lot. And I think there's a lot of kind of tongue in cheek rooting them on. You know, I think they're, they're, they're it's a diehard football town, but everybody's kind of laughing at themselves while rooting for them. So. Yeah, I, th- I got a kick out of it. A lot of the diehard Browns fans were probably offended by that display, but from the outside, it was very entertaining. I would, yeah, I would say offended, but I'd be like, "Come on!" Like, <laughs> it did get kind of over the top, but no, it was a great moment and it was good. And with the Raiders up next week, it should be exciting. But what I want to do is talk about Week Three. We like to recap all the games uh, of the following week on the of the previous week on the show, I should say. And Week Three in the NFL Gunner, as we know, is. Usually a time when there's a correction, it's kind of when you see teams fall back to earth and some upsets or maybe events that we look at as upsets at the time but don't end up being that way when we look at the season in retrospect. I got to say, though, week three this year was pretty ridiculous even for that statement for those standards. Would you agree that this was just a wacky week in general, top to bottom? Yeah, this is every year I try to remind myself not to overreact to the beginning of the NFL season. And this is like the time of year where it's really hard to figure out if we're overreacting or not. And I I think that the big theme to me is right now, there's just not that many great teams outside of the Rams and the Chiefs. And when once you get past those two, we don't know that much about almost anyone. Yeah, that's a good point. And even those teams, I mean, they could lose any given week. And I think that was, we'll, we'll start with that big upset in Buff, or in Minnesota, the Bills beating the Vikings. 
the Vikings are not a perfect team. The Bills, as bad as they played in two weeks, and it was maybe the worst two-week stretch we've seen in our lifetimes, they're still a team of professionals. They're still a team that can do some things right. It took a very unique opportunity, I would say. Minnesota's offensive line playing horribly and Allen doing some things right. But I think Minnesota clearly, clearly, Gunner, overlooked this game. They were not ready to play from the get-go, and it showed. And as bad as Buffalo was, they were the punching bag in everyone's jokes and everyone's stories all week. They're still a professional football team, and you have to be ready to play. Yeah, I mean, you can't, Buffalo came into this game looking like they could, again, not trying to overreact after two games, but looking like they had a strong case for 0-16. And Minnesota came into this and game we, we as— we know what that's like. Yeah, yeah, you, we both know what that's like. Um, when, and Minnesota obviously came into this game as an early Super Bowl contender. And again, it just, you got you to gotta take something away from this one, though. I mean, Minnesota, they caught kind of, they caught fire last year and maybe took a leap a little beyond what we thought. I do think Cousins is a, is a good quarterback in the long run, but but like every other quarterback that's not named Brady or Rodgers, you're going to have these games where things just don't go well for you, and he was absolutely part of the problem. It was bizarre that it just kept getting worse and worse. With with you know that that was one of the more surprising NFL games I can remember in the last couple of years. Yeah, Buffalo was a 16 and a half point underdog, and that outright win was the biggest by betting standards in 23 years. So even if we say it's early and teams aren't that great, that's still just kind of insane to predict. Minnesota still has you know, a pretty good defense. They didn't allow points in the second half. they got to play the Rams this week, so they're going to be up against it. And one, one, yeah, one, next one. two weeks uh, at the Rams and at Philly. So not a good one to drop. No, and, and you like to take away things from, from each team. Buffalo showing that they're still a team that's willing to compete. Still not expecting them to do much this year. But I do want to give give you a chance to kind of enjoy a victory, a regular season victory, what the Lions did to the Patriots on Sunday Night Football. I know it's I know it's early, and I know that we've both represented teams that have struggled. But as far as regular season wins go, it's got to feel pretty good and high in your pecking order. It it does. Um, I'm gonna keep riding this one until the next time they disappoint me greatly. So, you know that that's how it, that's what the Lions do. I was convinced after um, such a disappointing first two games for the Lions, particularly the the opener against the Jets, that this was gonna be a game. I was convinced a lot of things were going the way I predicted. I thought it was gonna be like the Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary game, like where the Lions just looked great for three and a half quarters and then weird stuff started to happen and Brady made some amazing plays and the Lions had some ridiculous meltdown plays and they lost in like devastating fashion as the clocks hit zero like that was that was my prediction before the game started so that's just I guess just to try to get you in the head of what what it's like to be a Lions fan that was me being as optimistic as possible was maybe we can hang in this game long enough for them to disappoint me greatly so um and after the game uh, I believe it was Shannon Sharp on Game Day Prime said it might be Stafford's biggest win of his career. And I kind of laughed and scoffed at it at first. And then I realized he might be right. So um, <laughs> that, that, you know, I mean, how when you haven't won a playoff game, you just beat the, the Patriots, you know, after losing to that. That's up there. Um, we don't know how good the Patriots are, but they tend to tend to do this to us. It's just kind of the the ongoing. Is this the year where it's finally too much for the Patriots to bounce back with limited pieces and Brady getting old? kind of narrative again and and it's back this year but but I do want to let it breathe a little bit because you know I, I I heard somebody say uh, another Lions fan I was texting with friend of mine uh, kind of joke about 
how all we're going to hear about is is Brady and, and the Patriots falling off and, and how they're not as good as we thought they were. And I knew that was the case, but that's literally all I've heard. <laughs> like I've been, I've been listening to all my podcasts and you know how you do that when your team that never wins gets a win. Yeah. You put all your podcasts on the next day. The you're you're watching all the, yeah, watching every ESPN show, just looking for one positive nugget, one, one loudmouth sports pundit to just throw out the idea that maybe the Lions are a good team and maybe they deserve some credit for beating the Patriots. And I still haven't found it. So I'll keep looking. I'll let you know if I find that tonight. Yeah. One point on Stafford, I think that comment might be true. We, we talked about how his record also wasn't great against other good teams and good quarterbacks. So it, it was a game for him. And if you want to take a positive away, it's more than just Stafford. It wasn't Stafford having to be the entire show. The defense came to play and carry on Johnson, who I believe can be as good as any running back, maybe not Barkley, but as good as any running back in this draft. He had a good game. Finally got a ground game. He looks like he could be the guy for Detroit. But I do think it's fair, Gunnar, to, to bring up. I mean, obviously the Patriots are going to be the story, win or lose in a lot of cases. But I do think it's fair to at least bring up the notion that it could be a, a, a troubling year for the Patriots, given that not only did they lose this game, this game to a team that hadn't won a game, but they got trounced by Jacksonville. And there just doesn't seem to be a lot of talent on the defense in particular. That's what stood out to me. I kept waiting for somebody to make a play, but you start to realize, hey, maybe they just don't have players on their roster that can make those plays. No, I don't think there's a lot of talent anywhere on the team outside of Brady and Gronk. Um, but again, I felt like we felt this way before. It was a few years ago when they had that terrible loss early in the season to the Bengals. They had one uh, to the Chiefs a few years, you know, last year. And then the Chiefs ended up obviously being a very good team. So the Patriots are going to go up from here. But but how how far up is that going to mean? You know, no matter what we're talking about, I still think they're going to beat Miami next week. And I still think they're going to win that division handily when it's all said and done. But yeah, are, are they going to be a team that's really poised to beat stacked teams in the playoffs in the AFC like Jacksonville and and like the Chiefs? I, I don't I don't know about that. So yeah, I, I didn't put too much on the the Jacksonville game just because you know that was kind of a revenge game for the Jags. That that's another team that's a Super Bowl contender. Uh, that's certainly a team that can put one on you early in the season. The Patriots, a team that that doesn't tend to to get it going too hard early in the season. So I didn't put a lot on that game, but the way they lost that Lions game and just never made a run against, you know, a team that hasn't played well, uh, other than the fourth quarter against San Francisco that hasn't played well at all this season. And I think it was a combination of two things. I think the Lions just kind of clicked and did everything right and executed everything that they didn't execute in the first two games. And uh, and the Patriots just didn't have an answer. And it was kind of surprising. You just kept thinking that, the Patriots were going to have an answer and at least make a run, at least threaten the Lions a little bit more. Um, but they just didn't really have an answer on offense or defense. The Lions didn't run the score up, but they had the ball the whole game and yeah. just kind of let the clock tick away. Well, it'll be interesting to see still chatting with Gunnar Ludwig on the Money Mitch effect. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the Dolphins because, I'll be honest, they're 3-0. and We do these recaps every week on this show, and I haven't spent much time talking about the Dolphins. You know, they beat the Titans, and they beat the Jets, and both of those games were just kind of like, eh. I figured it was a couple of teams that were mediocre at best playing each other. Now you look at the Dolphins again. I know it was just the Raiders, but they're 3-0, and and I think the first time in, what, like 10 years, someone's had a two-game lead on the Patriots within the division, maybe even longer. So I pose the question to you, not necessarily can the Dolphins win this division but is this a very good quality team 
is this a 9-10, maybe even more win team down the road, or is this just fool's gold? Because there's always teams that start off hot and then fizzle. I want to know how you assess the Dolphins two, three games and beyond. Yeah, I, I, I'm not taking them too seriously either. You mentioned the teams that they beat. You know, the Titans, the the Jets, they're all teams that, that can give you a run on any given day, but they're all kind of teams that feel like they're in that 8-8 eight and eight range. So I feel like the, the Dolphins are too. I know the Patriots haven't been good, but they still got to the, beat the Patriots twice, so that there might be the two-game lead right there. You know, I, I'm just I'm not convinced. It's again, it's early in the season. They they've beaten three not great teams. Uh, maybe they're a little bit better than we thought. They probably deserve that, but I still see this as a team that's going to end up with seven or eight wins. Yeah, I'm in that same boat. I think it's you have to beat who's in front of you, and they've done that, but they've done it in ugly fashion using trick plays. I just I'm not buying it as well. And they got to play Brady and Belichick pissed off off of an embarrassing loss. We know how that usually goes, so. I'm not saying anything there, but I do find humor in the fact, as I know you probably do, Gunner, that Khalil Mack has more sacks than the entire Raiders defense. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I, you know, I guess he wasn't worth the money, but... <laughs> what odds is there that they are going to actually draft anybody as good as him? Like, I get... <laughs> yeah, exactly. You you got, like, a bonus pick to try to draft a couple poor man's Khalil Mack's, and you don't have any good players. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to swear on your show. I know I did it. You don't have any good players. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. If they don't have good players, who are they waiting to sign? They don't have anybody signed to big deals, and they don't have any good players. In the oldest roster Except in the league, don't forget. They locked that. up Donald Penn, so that, that makes up for it, right? Yeah, that team. And, and I actually don't think they're – I think they're pretty average. They're, not, they're in, like, purgatory because I don't think they're that bad. I just think they're not good enough to really do anything. I'm kind of scared, to be honest, as a Browns fan in week three, but I just – or week four, I should say, but I, I don't think that they're – abysmal i just think that they haven't addressed any of their weaknesses as they should and you trade away a generational talent in his prime for as you said some bonus picks to try to get somebody close to as good as he is we'll see but it's just not looking good for the raiders right now but cleo max team was in a little bit of a dog fight uh the bears barely beaten the cardinals he was great again but gunner have you ever seen a coach put in a rookie quarterback with two minutes left in a game because <laughs> that was a first for me no, and I also loved how uh, the Fox crew was treating it like, you know, it was the biggest, grandest thing in the world that Sam Bradford got benched. Yeah, I, I, that was a shock. It wasn't really the best scenario to no. throw Josh Rosen out there. I still think there's some potential for him to be a very good quarterback, but he's the kind of guy that could take a little time. And they just, you know, he doesn't have a lot of help right now. You can't do a whole lot worse than Sam Bradford. What What is the whole Sam Bradford thing. Like, why are we paying him so much money when we're benching him to get three games in and we kind of knew that was going to happen? It just, aren't there guys out there that can do a poor job playing quarterback for, for less than $20 million a year? Can't you find those guys? Yeah, well, I, I want to say one thing first. That, that Cardinals team sucks. Like, there's just not much anywhere on either side of the ball. So I know that doesn't help uh, with anything you try to do. And Bradford's just... He, again, another guy that I think is just average. I, I just think he's he's definitely overpaid. But I don't think – I think teams are so worried about taking a chance on younger, unproven guys. They're like, oh, this guy's proven that he's average to a T. Let's just throw him out there and hope things happen. Rosen needed to play earlier, but then you, you bring him in in that moment, you're really not doing the kid any favorites against that defense. So I do think he'll have a bright future. Maybe later on this year, it might take a little while to get some pieces around him, but I, I do feel for guys like David Johnson and, and Larry Fitzgerald, who 
I don't want to say they're rotting, but they don't have much much uh, hope this year to do much of anything. That Bears defense, I want to circle back to them because they're as good, I think, as any unit in the NFL. And that NFC North, we talked about a couple of teams so far, your Lions and the Vikings. That is a, a very, very deep division all of a sudden. And I think I think all these divisional games, Gunner, are just going to be dogfights. Yeah, well, an interesting thing this week was, you know, the, the Packers and the Vikings both kind of looking a little beatable and, and uh, being a little more exposed. But they're going to be tough teams in the long run. The Lions looked like they had some life, obviously. And the Bears are just going to be in any given game with that defense. So um, the offense is going to be iffy. Uh, they, they can run the ball, but obviously still, to me, not seeing a lot of a whole lot of progression with with Mitch Trubisky. But um, we'll see if that comes. He seems serviceable. You know, he's not going to win games with you in the defense can't. The defense, there might be a few defenses like Jacksonville that can just shut you down more. But the way that they can just pile on sacks and takeaways and just mess you up in, in a quick spurt, the Bears can do that and flip a game within a few plays on defense as well as anybody, it seems. Yeah, yeah I feel like there's going to be a lot of these games where they're in a one-score one score games down the stretch against good teams, against bad teams, and they're going to have to rely on their defense because Trubisky might have, might have potential, but he hasn't really shown much to them. I, I do... You brought up the Packers, and that's a good point. They're the one team in this division. I'd even say your Lions have the edge defensively. Green Bay's defense just doesn't look very good week in, week out. And I think whenever Aaron Rodgers goes to the Hall of Fame, he should have on his bus somewhere carried a bunch of trash defenses and then some questionable coaching as far as he did because they're asking him to do a lot. And even even the QB God, so to speak, is mortal at times because I, I just don't like what I see from the Green Bay defense, and I think that's going to be what holds them back in the long run. Yeah, and and with a suspect defense and and the team just not really playing great all around right now, it's so much pressure on Rodgers. He's obviously playing through some injuries, and you know we don't know how bad it is. There's been rumors as to how bad it is. You almost think if they have to just decide and tell him we're going to arrest you for a game or two you know it, it um I, who knows it's always hard to tell how uh, how much a guy's potentially you know risking his further season and career by staying in there but it, it just this is not full rogers he's still playing effectively but he's not able to do what what you know you're we're accustomed to seeing him able to do the last uh, two games or at least game and a half and, and yeah, I mean, with with the team that they have right now, it's going to be tough. Obviously, when if he gets hot and he's healthy, it can make up for all that stuff. But whenever he's not right, we we see the truth on how what this roster and coaching staff really is. And I've never really thought that anything about the Packers has been too great, aside from maybe the year they won the Super Bowl. And, and years after, I don't think too much about that roster has been that great other than Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, I give him a lot of credit in that regard, as you just were. You can't really overstate how much they put on him. More than any other individual player, they ask him to just go win games for you. Uh, the Seahawks are kind of starting to do it with Russell Wilson, and, and they're asking him to do a little too much, as great as he is. But, you know, Rodgers has been the guy that is just asked to go out and win games despite whatever's going on around going on around you the last few years. And when you're hobbled in on one leg, that's just, you know, too much for anybody. Right. Still haven't given him a running game either. That would help at a time like this. Um, Gunner, do you want to have that roughing the passer penalty conversation now? I think this is a good game to do it. Oh, geez. That's well, kind of like the, the Serena conversation we talked about off air. It's just gonna, we're just going to talk ourselves into circles here. So, yeah, Clay Matthews, was this was the 
this revived the conversation. The third straight week, Clay Matthews got a penalty. It happened in the early game on Sunday. Then we saw in the in the Dolphins game a player actually got hurt trying to avoid roughing the passer. And the Monday night game, which we'll get to in a little bit between Tampa and Pittsburgh, had maybe the most the most I've ever seen in a game I've actually watched roughing the passer penalties in the same game. I'll keep it brief and I'll turn it over to you. I get what they're trying to do. I get certain crackdowns of the rule. But if you're going to ask grown men playing this sport, giant grown men I should say, at this pace, to now be able to avoid all the targets and then also move their hands inside and out and avoid landing on quarterbacks a certain way, I feel like you're testing the laws of gravity a little too much here. And that's the part where you can't agree with. I mean, I just I can't see how that's logical. Let's just yeah. throw all the other stuff away. How, how is that logical to expect these guys playing this fast to do all the things you've asked them to do and not hit in certain target areas, but then also not land a certain way? It's not. And on the Monday night game you spoke of, it was almost comical. Like the ref, uh, the ref came out a few times and kind of rolled his eyes as he gave the call. Yeah. And and uh, and and Ben Roethlisberger said he was surprised that some of them were called on him. I've never heard a quarterback say that about any penalty. And uh, but that's very Ben Roethlisberger. He doesn't really think about those things. But yeah, yeah I mean um, that that was you know that kind of says it all when the quarterback getting the penalty called on him for roughing the passer is. Kind Kind of frustrated that they're calling the penalty and feels bad for the defender. Um, so you know that's what has clearly gone too far. I think the main thing for me is like what what are the checks and balances going on? Because however the rules are being phrased and explained to to the refs and then followed up on is that how they should be calling them or not? Something is being mishandled there because to me I'm all for cleaning up the game where it can be done. But this is a violent game. You know, you can't you can't have um, mixed martial arts without people getting hit in the head once in a while. So, you know, you, you can't have football without without hitting. And that includes the quarterback, at least sometimes. So I, I'm all for the avoidable things. I'm all for not diving at the knees when avoidable. I'm all for not targeting with the helmet in any way. Even with the landing with your full body weight or most of it, I, that's the funniest part of that rule to me is that I just found that out that it, apparently it's phrased or most of it. That's so I don't know as guys. Yeah, as 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 Nadamakung Sue's going down, you know, on Tom Brady, he has to think about what percentage of his body weight might land on him and try to roll off. So this is a. 65 for percent. You got to get it under 50 because a 50 or above would be most of your body weight, right? So you got to make sure that that 320 pounds is reduced to about 155 as it lands on you. So um, I don't know if um, I'm not trying to bust into a cliche, but I don't know how good at math these defensive linemen are. And and on top of it, I think that there you need to add a phrasing along the lines of of and this is in all seriousness now of when avoidable. I think that that's the key here is when avoidable and 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 that that should be with most of these rules when avoidable. If you're truly just trying to make a football play and you could not have avoided hitting the guy as hard as you did or hitting them how you did, like when a guy's getting blocked and he goes down and he reaches his arm out to to grab at a quarterback's leg because that's the only part of him he can reach in that moment. And then they're calling a personal foul because he made contact with the knee. That's not avoidable. So, you know, I, I don't think that, that that should be called. And I don't think that this form tackle, when you happen to land on a guy, when that's just how form tackles are done, should be called. You know, I agree with the pickup and body slam, but when you're calling it a lift up just because he wrapped his arms around his legs, as you do with a form tackle, tackle and his feet were off the ground, 
down slightly. You know, that's just ridiculous. And and if that's how the league phrased it and, and they're making the calls because of that, then the league needs to come around and, and rephrase it and get it right. Yeah, also important to note, I know a lot of these are to, a lot of these rules are to protect quarterbacks. Most of the quarterback injuries we've seen the last couple of years happened outside the pocket. So I don't think I, I, don't, I understand why they would put in rules to to avoid certain things, but at the end of the day, when avoidable seems like a good balance there. Gunnar Ludwig on the money, Mitch effect. That Monday night game that we were kind of discussing in that in that uh, long passionate discussion about. These yeah, QB, uh, it was a fun penalties. game. It was fun. It was aside what, from all the penalties. Aside from all the penalties, it was fun. The outcome was, I will say, unfortunately, as someone that roots passionately against the Steelers, what I kind of expected, Pittsburgh was up against the wall. Tomlin has been money in Monday night games. And as good as Fitzmagic is, and, and I do think that he should still be the quarterback until he just flames out, which will probably inevitably happen. The yeah. Bucks are, are so not until this. next week. <laughs> until next week, the Bucks were not and are not, in my opinion. They're a good story, but they're not a real contender. It was nice what they've done the first couple of weeks, but I saw a Pittsburgh team. I, I thought I'd see, and I was correct that a Pittsburgh team motivated would come in and win a game that they had to. And again, it pains me to say it, but vintage Roethlisberger, as good as he's looked in recent memory, without a doubt. No, and Roethlisberger himself is kind of like how the the um, Patriots as a team tend to start the season, right? Where every year you think he's done, and he like when when he looks bad, like the the last game, you oh, know, he, looks he threw bad. It looks like he's throwing the game. I know it, it it really does, and with some of the things he said about how he's wanted to retire the last few years, and he spent the last two years saying uh, that he wanted to retire, and then he he uh, whined when they drafted a quarterback in the third round, uh, and I, that was that's it just makes me love Ben Roethlisberger those things like that. But um, you you know he he looked great in that game last night, and he really showed that he can still do it. And you know he's he's a guy that again, if you're not Brady or Rodgers, you're gonna mix in some miserable games just like Stafford did in the first game just like Eli does every other game you know just like all those guys tend to do and we tend to forget that that those are really you know and maybe Drew Brees those are the only guys that don't mix in games where they just throw them away and yet Brady didn't look great in the last game but not much of that was on him but yeah I mean Roethlisberger still still is there and still is going to be a factor more games than not He's still gonna gonna be able to keep your team in it. So um, he did remind us of that, and and I think they'll be okay. They're you know they're uh, they have a lot of weapons on that offense. Uh, the defense is a little suspect this year to what we've been accustomed to to think from a Steelers defense, but they have a lot of weapons on that offense, and I I think that you know they'll be in the hunt. But but again, it's I'm sound like a broken record here. I just think outside of the the Rams and the Chiefs, who clearly are are very good teams right now. There isn't that much separation from any teams like the Steelers or the Patriots and anybody else right now. There, it's just everybody else is kind of in that next chunk, and then there's a few teams on the bottom. So the Steelers prove that they're still in the hunt, and their offense is going to win them games. But yeah, they 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 you know this one went down to the wire, and 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 uh, you know they're going to have a lot of problems this year too. So is there any realistic argument in your opinion for throwing Jameis right back into it from this get go week four? Or do you, no. like me, think I, you got to ride this out? Yeah, I don't think so. And I think, 
Even though he seems like a sensitive guy, I think even for Jameis' sake, it might be better to ride this out and put him in when it feels more natural. And that'll probably happen. I'm, you know, look, it's impossible to root against Ryan Fitzpatrick. And to be honest, other than the few really bad interceptions he threw, a few of them were under were under pressure. He actually had a lot of great moments in that game in kind of the garbage time comeback, but still almost brought his team back in the game. And he has a lot of fight in him. It's impossible not to root for that guy. So, right. but yeah, he, he's not going to keep playing like an MVP candidate all year. He has a lot of weapons and he's not afraid to sling it. But um, we're also reminded that when Ryan Fitzpatrick keeps slinging it for three games straight, he's going to throw a lot of interceptions in any given one of those games. So uh, the, the three pick game could turn into a five or six game pick game pretty quickly and we'll see what happens then right still leads the league in passing yards averaging over 400 a game through 400 in every game this year and I do think you just lose the locker room if you put Jameis right back in uh, given how well he's played and given how much that team's responded so we'll see what happens there Gunner you brought yeah one sorry one more note on that game too since we were talking about the player's safety I, I do get a kick out of as awesome as it was with all the things that we're doing to protect player safety that that Vance McDonald stiff arm double <laughs> stiff arm to the face isn't a penalty like that that yeah. that's just the the gap between how much we're concerned with quarterback player safety and defensive player safety is almost laughable at this point yeah yo good luck if you're if you're I'm, I mean I think that's part of the reason why the stats have gone up so high is that it is just geared towards the offense rules especially but if you're a defensive player good luck good luck stopping them and good luck protecting yourself out there yeah chris by the conti way they can still the punch IR. you in the face yeah. <laughs> chris conti on the ir today as well i don't know i'm pretty sure they're not related but they might be we, we don't that's know. a broken ego i think <laughs> i think so too. that will forever replay in his head in slow motion mm. well he's famous now if he wasn't before so he's got that going for him not good for him good for him uh you mentioned the two best teams the rams and the chiefs and they were dominant again the rams 35 points they score on the Chargers, the All-L.A. game. They win that one. And the Chiefs beat San Francisco in a game that wasn't really as close. The the, uh, the Niners made it competitive, but the Chiefs were rolling there. 38-27 to was that win. These two teams are the class of the NFL through three weeks. I don't think anybody's debating that. But I think it's, I think it's safe to say from the Rams' perspective, we kind of expected them to be this good or at the top of the pecking order, given all the names that they added and all the progressions they've made for the chiefs. If you thought, if anybody thought Mahomes was going to be this good, I think they're lying right to your face because this is as good of a debut as any young quarterback has ever had. And that's not an understatement. Yeah, I, I drafted him in both my fantasy teams, and I didn't think he would be nearly this good this fast. So, um, you know, I am I am happy about that. But uh, it, it's he's been amazing. And again, the stats are one thing. When you watch the guy play, every time he gets in the red zone, he just rips one. The deep balls, unbelievable. How he can hit Hunt and or how he can hit uh, Hill and stride. He, he's been amazing, and they have so many weapons that it's just kind of like on any given day, at least one of them, one or two of them are going to burn you. And you know, between the offensive scheme where they have all these great reverses and, and great end around action. There's just, there's just so many, so many weapons on that team and he's making such good use of them. It's amazing to watch Mahomes just through three games. I, I said before the season started, I was buying the hype in terms of, I believe this kid will be a great quarterback because that was the word on him from everybody. And we had seen the throws he could make and gotten a vibe of the type of person and the type of leader and the type of head he has on his shoulders and all that. So I thought he would be a very good quarterback. I didn't think he'd be this good ever. I mean, not that many 
players have ever been this good ever. So, um, you know, I, I didn't think necessarily he'd be this good ever. And one point I made was that, you know, even if he is great this year, are they going to be better off with him than they would be with Alex Smith? It still might be an adjustment year to a, a first year starting quarterback. So Alex Smith still looking solid in, in Washington, but kind of doing Alex Smith dink and dunk stuff. And we're seeing with Mahomes just how high powered this offense can get without a doubt to me that the most high powered offense in the league, the Rams are close, but but, uh, you know, and, and Goff is, is a very good quarterback right now, but it's not really getting it going the level of Mahomes. And right. given that this is just his first three games, he's going to have a few wake up calls. But mm-hmm. um, he, he seems like he's got the, the type of persona to be able to deal with that, you know, his first bad game. Yeah, and I would just add to that that Goff doesn't look at the levels of Mahomes as a passer, but the Rams and Chiefs, as high-powered as they are, Gunner, very different in how they go about being the high-powered versions of themselves. The Rams are relying on the run first to open everything else up, and I think if you ride Gurley as well as, as any running back in the league, it can give McVay room to operate and do some of his things as well. I do worry a little bit about the Chiefs' defense. That's why I put the Rams slightly ahead of them at the moment. I know we're nitpicking here, but even with their injuries in the secondary, I still think the Rams defensively hold that edge over the Chiefs. The Chiefs per- should have won this game about 35-10. to 10. They, Their defense let them let, um, let the Niners back in the game, much like they let Pittsburgh back in the game a week ago, and that's one area where I think they need to improve. But Mahomes has just been unbelievable, and uh, it, it's been fun to watch. Yeah, it has been great, and, and I agree with you. I put the Rams, I give the Rams the slight edge. I am a little worried about the Chiefs' defense, but the offense is so good, I'm, I'm not that worried about it in the regular season. I'm sure there'll be a few games where they drop because because they just can't keep up with the other team scoring and, you know, the offense isn't perfect. But um, I'm just just wondering, assuming that they soar into the postseason, um, probably as a bye team, you know, as one of the top two seeds in the AFC, is their defense going to be a problem with the matchup-wise in the playoffs? And they have an interesting stretch coming up at Denver, Jacksonville at home, at New England. Those teams haven't been flawless, but all interesting teams, Denver and Jacksonville, with very good defenses and then the Patriots are the Patriots so some some interesting tests for them coming up in these next three games if, if they come out of that six and oh mm. oh boy yeah oh boy indeed Gunnar Ludwig money Mitch effects still some week three games to get to before we wrap this up I want to give a, a brief shout out to what was probably the best game from a skill level wise on offense that Saints Falcons game the Saints win they get the upper they win a pivotal divisional matchup they improve on the season to two and one, the Falcons dropped to one and two. That was offensive football at its finest. Calvin Ridley breaks out for the Falcons. Bree sets the overall completions record in NFL history and wins the game, of course, on a QB sneak in overtime. So a lot to like about the Saints. The Falcons are playing down the wire with these teams, but one and two on the on the season schedule not getting easier. What's your takeaway from this big NFC South matchup? Yeah, every time these two teams play each other for like the last five years, it's always incredibly exciting. They always run up the score, and I feel like we don't learn that much because if they played each other ten times, it would be forty-three to thirty-seven in overtime every time. It would, it would be they would be five and five. So you know, these are these are tough teams to predict because I still think they're both good teams this year. The the Saints obviously had that embarrassing game week one against Tampa that kind of started the whole Fitz magic action. <laughs> And um, both these teams have some concerns on defense. I think throughout the season, I trust Atlanta's defense a little bit better, even though they didn't do much for them in this game. 
I'd still say that I, I, I know they just lost to them at home. I, I, I think I like Atlanta a little bit better as far as how they project on the season. I just, I just kind of think they have a little bit more on defense. I don't know. I don't know if I should. I don't know. Maybe I just can't get over the fact that the, that the Saints lost to Tampa week one. But, you know, yeah. so did so did the Eagles. And I'm not going to I'm not going to hang them for that. So, you know, I think these teams are neck and neck. And I think, again, I think they could do this all day. I think they're both interesting teams in the playoff picture. But, you know, they're always right on that fringe. And you never quite know what these teams are going to do. Right, it's always exciting, and it's good to see Atlanta's red zone offense open up. But you know, they lost the coin toss, and the Saints went down and went 80 yards on the first drive. So what would have happened if they got the ball first in overtime? Probably the opposite result. Yeah, I probably. Do, I do want to give one shout-out, though, to one of the probably the most underrated player in the NFL. I might be going on a limb when I say this, but I don't think Michael Thomas gets enough credit, Gunner. He's got 398 yards receiving on the season, leads the league. He's got 40 targets this year, 38 completions. Yeah, ridiculous. it's interesting that his name doesn't get thrown in there with the, the top receivers in the league. You know, um, he, he obviously he hasn't been on that top notch, maybe with uh, Julio Jones and Antonio Brown um, the last few years. But with those guys possibly taking a step back a little bit and both those guys have young star receivers poaching their role a little bit. You know, I think Michael Thomas is right there in that top receiver discussion. I think we just always kind of have Drew Brees always has so many guys that we kind of forget who they are. And for whatever reason, Michael Thomas has just felt like he's just blended in as another one of Brees' guys. Maybe because his name's so generic. We just like, you know, it doesn't stand out that Michael Thomas had another catch. Um, and he doesn't do it with a ton of monster plays. You know, he's kind of like one chunk at a time and and uh and and just keeps beating you but he's he's been consistently a problem this year for defenses and and yeah i agree i think he's one of the top receivers in the league and this year i think he's going to make that uh very clear so gunner it's uh week three now of 2018 and uh i don't think i'm breaking any news but i'm pretty worried about Dak prescott <laughs> i just think it's it hasn't really gone well for him and this cowboys team they lose to seattle seattle's first win of the season not only are the Cowboys not a good team, but they they pass they fail a different test. They're just not fun. Like if you're if you're bad but fun, it's it's one thing. But they're just a boring football team. Yeah, they might be the most boring team in the league. They're right in that discussion, right? Yeah, it just although I, Miami's three and zero, and we're still <laughs> bored with them. So <laughs> I uh, I think what we've seen. This is my only thing I'll say about because defensively, I don't think that they're that bad. They're, no, I think they have a good defense, an above-average defense, yeah. So they relied so heavily on that offensive line that's kind of come back to earth with injuries and, and just playing down to par for their standard. It's really exposed that this is an offense that either isn't designed to or unfortunately probably can't do too much. Part of that's on Dak. Part of that's on the skill guys at receiver. I mean, we know Zeke's a player, but it just it just isn't fun to watch. And Seattle just turned this into a, to a rock'em, sock'em physical game, and Dallas just couldn't respond. Yeah, I, I, I'm in the small party that still thinks that Dak is a starting quarterback in the NFL. And, you know, I, I still think he can be for a long time. Yeah. I know he's looked awful this year. His woes last year were a little blown out of proportion. You know, he had a solid year, just not, not in the level of the year before. He's had terrible weapons the last few years. 
and this year especially, probably the worst receivers in the league. Um, they've, again, relied on that offensive line, and the last year and a half they've been really beat up. And, and um, you know, a conservative quarterback who kind of just tries to to move the ball and not turn it over, and, and now you've got a bad offensive line and the worst receivers in the league. So, you know, the, the good defense helps because that does fit um, his mold. And I think if they they can get the offensive line going again, then then Ezekiel Elliott's going to have some big games. But they need to give him somebody to throw to and get that offensive line back to a respectable point before we start blaming it. Keep blaming it all on him because you know I think I think he can play. Yes, he deserves some of the blame. He has not been good these few games, um, but I'm not convinced that you know it's it's all on Dak. And I still think that he's better than than a good chunk of quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, I, I would say that it's still. I'm not saying close the book, bench him, but he. I think it's right to be concerned, to be worried that you're just not seeing quite enough. But again, I think the biggest issue is skill guys. They have, they have maybe the worst set of receivers tight end combo in the league, and that's saying something because there's a lot of bad options out there. But yeah, it, it could be tough. And for this NFC East, I'll, we'll end with this: the Eagles Colts game that the Eagles won narrowly. Carson Wentz return. The Eagles are 2-1, and one, and it's a feisty 2-1. and one. Every one of their games, they lose the one, and then they, they win two down the, down the wire. Wentz is back, looked okay. We don't expect him to be MVP level. Carson Wentz right away, or anybody I should say right away. But I think they're really aided, Gunner, by the fact that this NFC East is just not that good. Yeah, it's not that good. They haven't been, uh, you know, sparking at all like they did last year. We pretty much saw that the, the – the, uh, the Foles magic was was kind of dead before the season started. Um, Wentz is back. I think he'll get it going. I do think this is one of those teams that's a little bit of in danger of missing the playoffs after winning the Super Bowl. Is that is that too extreme? I would say it is just because of that division. Like, I, And I'm with you that this team could be in that range where they're having to fight down the stretch. But if you were going to say that if they were in the NFC South in, and even the NFC North, I'd say that's more likely. I just You'd have to convince me that a team is going to challenge them within the division and maybe the Redskins, but I'd, I'd have to believe that they're going to get enough production out of their defense, which has been subpar for a little bit. And I just, I'm still saying 10 wins, 10, 11. That's where the Eagles are for me. They look like a 10 to 11 win team. Yeah. And then easily could spark it next week and, and get once going again. I, look, I still think this team is over the course of the next several years going to continue to be a Super Bowl contender. It just kind of feels like they have that Super Bowl hangover. They're a very talented team, but I think that the way that their talent culminated all at once last year was was kind of like the perfect storm. And, you know, it, it just felt like a team to me that, that didn't necessarily feel like you can just account on this happening just like it did again, especially with, with Wentz going down and Foles coming in. Um, but I just right now, three games into the season, they're two and one. They're not in any serious danger. It just doesn't feel like they've been great at any one aspect. You know, haven't been great defensively. Quarterback play hasn't been great. Only one game with Wentz. You know, running game hasn't been great. They just don't do anything great right now. And that worries me with a team, you know, coming back from the Super Bowl. And yeah, you're right. I, I'm, I'm, I very well might be overreacting, but that's what we're here for. It's week three. Um, I will <laughs> yeah. say count, counterpoint to their to their uh, weak division, I, I think the Redskins are, are a pretty damn good team in the yeah. NFC this year. And, um, and and again, back to that, that's back to the point of, of just how good is, is anyone else. You know, I, I think they're they're right in there with the rest of the pack. 
and and in their schedule beyond you know outside of division gets pretty tough they have minnesota carolina road game at jacksonville road game at new orleans um, road game at the rams i may need to revise that 10 win prediction yeah i mean yeah well when you put it like that it's very possible that they could be in trouble now we're saying that maybe they split they're gonna have to do well in division that's what that schedule told me and and that's where we'll see they're gonna have to do very well in their divisional matchup games because they're not gonna have the uh the margin of error with everybody else they're playing yeah and and a lot of the games i even just mentioned they probably should be able to win so we'll we'll see you know we'll see how they do it's just again that's that's the main thing is this early in the season, you want to at least feel like your team's doing something really well, even if they have other things to improve on. And I don't know that the Eagles are terrible in one place right now, but at least until Wentz gets gets really comfortable again, I'm not seeing anything great out of them right now. Yeah, I think this game they showed a little bit of that get to the passer that they didn't show against Tampa Bay, so their edge rushers are getting a little better. And they need Alshon Jeffrey back. That's a guy that will help their offense and help Carson Wentz out a lot. Last thing on this game, it was – Interesting to see the Colts in a close game with the defending Super Bowl champs. Andrew Luck looked okay. He's another guy battling back from a serious injury. It's kind of bizarre that they didn't have him throw that Hail Mary, and and you wonder if that's something with his shoulder and that's going to be a permanent thing. But I don't know. Do you think Luck's going to get back to that peak top five quarterback in the world, Andrew Luck? Well, I don't know. I, it's hard to believe that it'll happen at this point. I'd love to see it. You know, you just I never like seeing anybody's career go away when, when the potential's all there. I mean, he's healthy and he's throwing the ball and he looks pretty good at times relative to when to where he is in his comeback. He looks decent, you know. So um, but yeah, looks far from anything like a MVP contender that he was for a few years before uh, before these injuries kind of took over. So Hopefully he does. I feel like if we don't see signs of it by the you know the midpoint of the second half of this year, it's going to be hard to believe that we're going to see that out of him. But but um, but who knows? Maybe it's just maybe he's healthy now and and he just needs to knock the rust off and get comfortable playing again. We got to remember how long it's been since he's consistently played football. So you know so it, it could take a little bit of time. And and yeah, you know this Colts team has played with a little bit of fight, but but they're the Colts and they're going to struggle. We can we can wait and see, but yeah, I think that's a pretty fair fair thing to say. Uh, all right, Gunnar Ludwig, this was a blast. Uh, lastly, before I let you go, what are you looking forward to in Week Four? Some tasty matchups. Probably the best Thursday night game I can remember ever being on the docket. Vikings Rams. Yeah, I am excited for that Thursday night game. Outside of that, I'll be honest. Like I- I'm still coming down from that Lions win. I haven't even looked at Week Four. I, I just. You, when you're a Lions fan or a Browns fan in your case, yeah. like you're not that excited well, about what might happen next week after a big so win. You just, I, I, you know, I know what can happen next yeah. week. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, you know, the the Lions, uh, the Lions are in Dallas, so Ooh, um, I, I think one. they can win that one. Yeah. But you know, they they could also have won the uh, the the season opener against the Jets that they lost by 31. So you know, this is how things go. Yeah. It's... <laughs> It's certainly, you got to prepare yourself for anything here. You do. Two teams, Lions and Browns, looking up. Um, it, it's it's exciting to say the least for both of us. Oh, and one quick thing that's not football related because I got to get your take on this because I know you you study these sort of things. That Flyers mascot is one of the most ridiculous one in all of pro sports, right? <laughs> yeah, I I, I kind of love it though. I think it's, I love it. Well, that's. I, what, it still what? looks like a mascot, you know, it, like the Colts have that mascot that kind of shoots snot rockets out of yeah. its nose. And I just don't like this. At least it looks too modern. That Colts mascot, 
This still looks like a mascot. What are they calling it again? Gritty. Uh, it's called Gritty. gritty. I was going to say Scrappy. Is... I love I love the Gritty name. I'm in. On, I'm all in on this mascot. I, mean, I, I got to be honest. It looks like it looks like how a mascot's supposed to look, just crazier. It, it looks like you know, um, the, like the monster that would be a rare a rare Muppets character that just comes in every tenth episode, and you see that goofy monster. You know, he's kind of like Cookie Monster on acid, or the Tunga Sky, <laughs> the Tunga yeah. Sky from the AMPM commercials. But yeah, man, I really like it. It kind of fits their team. The, the gritty name is great. I think in hockey you can get away with a little bit more ridiculousness in your mascot, right? It's going to frighten children. So, I, I mean, and, and I'm okay with that. I'm not a child. and It doesn't bother me. So I, I, I think that given how it's taken the Internet by storm, this has to be what they wanted. And you can't tell me. I think the debut was kind of scripted, Gunner, where it slips on the ice and shot somebody in the back with a T-shirt gun. It was just a mess, and I think that's what they want. So I think mission accomplished. I think this marketing yeah. team for the Flyers did a great job. We're talking about the Flyers mascot being ridiculous, and that's what they wanted, yeah. and, and I'm okay with it. It's uh, it's going to be something. I hope they uh, I hope they get the most out of it. I think we'll I, I think we'll know if if this is totally a train wreck if he's fighting uh, other players. I wonder if they just plucked the guy off of like a Barney type children's show and forgot to teach him how to skate first. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. They didn't, they just threw him on skates like the day of, and and he had never been on skates before, but he was like, Oh, I got a skate. I thought I stood in the penalty box or something. (laughs) It took over the, it took over the uh, internet and that's what they were going for. So hats off to between that and the, uh, the, between that and the Max Domi punch, it's been an exciting, it's been about as much noise as the NHL preseason has made in my lifetime. Uh, Yeah, that's a good one. Hey, and by the way, Max Domi's punishment was suspended for the preseason. What a vacation. Yeah. You can tell any NHL player that they can sucker punch out somebody and get basically to skip the preseason. Every athlete in any sport would take that. That seems like something his dad taught him. Oh yeah. That's uh. That's very, that's very, very fair. I mean, that was, the old, was one of his friends, too. So The old Domi punch and skip, you know? <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. All right, Gunnar Ludwig, this was a blast. We'll have to do this, do this again soon. Good luck with everything, and thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks, Mitch. Anytime. All right, huge thanks to Gunnar Ludwig for appearing on today's show. Special thanks, as always, to Tim Adams for supplying the beats and Brian Nelson for supplying the show artwork. You can find this episode and every episode of The Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. You can also check us out at The Money Mitch Effect Facebook page. Another friendly reminder, every Friday, it's Running With The Money, a podcast that I created along with Kent Brown and Matt Gothard, where we break down college football betting odds. Don't want to miss that as well. This was the Money Mitch Effect. I'm Mitch Michaels. Until next time, keep enjoying sports. I'll be talking to you soon.